If you walk the roads in Hex Hollow, in the right sequence on Halloween night, you will pass through the gates of hell. You'll know the place because the trees will grow thick above your head and the woods are dark even at the brightest time of day. It is said that there are places here where the sun has never touched the ground. Hex Hollow, also known as Spring Valley Park and Ray Myers Hollow, is in southern York County. It is a maze of trails and dirt roads twisting in and out of each other, paths cut randomly through the vegetation. There is a lonely grave in Hex Hollow, marked with a pentagram, where Nelson Raymire, a black magician, is buried. Men were murdered in his house. On some nights, the moon casts light upon Raymire's specter wandering his lands. But most people do not like to speak of Hex's Hollow's legend, or truth. When asked about it, they give short answers, or none at all. Most of the area is a county park now, but it's not well used, partly because it's off the beaten path, but mostly because it is Hex Hollow. It is not easy to find, but you know it when you're there. The world becomes a little darker. How much darker it must have been in 1928 when the Hollow's one resident was Nelson D. Raymeyer, a loner well over six feet tall with deep-set eyes and a powerful presence. Welcome back to the Wellhouse Exorcism. This is your ghost of a host with the most, Shanna. Now I'm just ghouling around. Oh boy, that was actually pretty good. And your name is? PJ. Oh, thank goodness, we remember. <laughs> Welcome back to this episode. It's going to be a two-parter called The Hex House. Um, my opening was by Timothy Renner, and it's from Weird Pennsylvania. I didn't realize it was going to be a two-parter. It's going to be a two-parter. Wow. Yes. Just you and me here, honey bunny. I was going to take the week off, but I decided, no. I might as well hang out with you in the basement. See, I had an idea for, like, an easy episode, and then you come out with lots of research. <laughs> I have. Just the opposite of an easy episode. <laughs> so I have weeks and weeks saved up, ready to go. For whenever Lauren and Ray aren't available, I got stuff. I we got noticed. things. <laughs> so anyway, we are going to do justice to the Hex House um, and what hexing is, what folk magic is, what powwow magic is, mm. and of course, the Hex House murder. We've talked about it a lot, powwow magic. Hex and Doss and, yeah, Hex and Cough and, yeah. yes, I learned in my research what the word Hex actually means. It comes from the German word witch. So Hex and Doss is dancing witches and stuff, so... Mm. I learned some things. It feels weird. Mm. I feel kind of smart. But anyway, so all of my research is coming from The Hex House Murder, Strange Tales of Pennsylvania Folk Magic and Murder by Troy Taylor and the American Hauntings, Inc. Also, Haunted Lancaster's Witchcraft and Murder in Hex Hollow. The Hex House by, of course, Philly Ghosts, because got to use Philly Ghosts. Um, Haunted Road Trip, The Hex Murder House, York County, Pennsylvania. And The Origin and Practition of Powwow Among the Pennsylvania Germans by Patrick James Dugan from Burke's History Center. Don't forget where you got your opening. I already read that. Oh. Timothy Renner from Weird Pennsylvania. You're not even listening. I'm... We haven't even started. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even started. All right. So before I actually start, what do you know about powwow magic and hex doctors? 
Um, pretty much nothing, actually, other Excellent. than what we talked about from Hexenkopf. Well, then let me take you into the dark wilds. Actually, it's not dark at all. Mm. It's our Pennsylvania Dutch history, for, so it's kind of cool. It's all us, baby. Pennsylvania, not America, Pennsylvania. Is it anything like the movie The Witch? Um, no. Oh. Yes-ish. So, are there goats in this story? Uh, well, if your animals start getting sick, or if your cow's milk dries up, they blame witches. Yep. Or hexes, tech, to use the proper term. They blame your, you've been hexed. Yeah. So that's the same, but you wouldn't become a powwow doctor to live deliciously. That's my next question. No. Most times you had a different job. You weren't just a powwow doctor because you couldn't afford to Doesn't make it. Doesn't really anything. put bread on the table. It can if you're amazing at it. Hmm. But generally speaking, depends. So, Lada, how about we just get into it and you can make your own opinions on all of this, honey? I'm ready. So, I want to start off with discussing what the heck powwow is. Why don't we use the word powwow? So, obviously, powwow comes from the Native Americans. It actually comes from the Algonquins. So, we started using that term instead of the Pennsylvania Dutch terms. So, like Hexenkopf and Brochers and all that, because Brochers is fun to say, but it kind of hurts your throat. So, <laughs> we say powwow doctors because of the Algonquin past here in Pennsylvania. But I do like this article um, because the opening just is fantastic. To many inhabitants of Berks County, the practice of powwow or faith healing is part of their daily living. These people who heal the sick are known by some as powwow doctors or hex doctors. But here's the thing. There's a difference between the two. Okay. Okay. And if you're wondering, yes, this article is modern day. These peeps still exist. It's not as prevalent as it was back in the 1800s. And then up to the 1950s, fun fact, so just like, you know, 70 years ago. So does that mean I could call the hex doctor? And they'll tell me what to do. That was actually going to be the title of part one. I called the Hex Doctor. He told me what to do. Fun fact. You just, how did you see our minds? Our minds are the same. Anyway, um, you would you would not want to call the Hex Doctor. Oh. Now, unfortunately, because people don't understand Pennsylvania, that some people use these terms interchangeably. But a powwow doctor is the good one. You go to them for illnesses and stuff. So they call the powwow doctor. Yeah, you call the powwow doctor. They'll tell me what to do. Yes. Um, you, the Hex Doctor depending on the area, is the bad one. They're the one who makes the hexes. Mm. Yes, you have to go to power doctor to stop the hexes. It's very confusing. Anyway, so powwow doctors and hex doctors both use, of course, religious charms, religious prayers, and weird common everyday items to stop evil influences and witches who cast spells upon men and women and animals alike. Isn't that crazy? Sounds charming. Okay. Anyway, Charlton <laughs> F. Brown is quoted in the Journal of American Folklore as stating, The incantations of the witch doctors make extensive use of religious symbols and prayers in which one easily recognizes the survival of liturgical weapons employed by the medieval church in its warfare against witchcraft. And so during my research, I just want to say that while most of the Pennsylvanians, uh, the, almost Pennsylvania was Protestant because of the big Quaker past, mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff comes from the Catholic Church. Hmm. Don't you feel amazing now? 
Yeah. Because they recognize just the liturgical power and the magic that kind of happens on the altar. And so a lot of the sayings, they, they actually will use saints and they use the Virgin Mary when they um, make their prayers to heal you. Huh. Yeah. So there you go on that too. There you go. But anyway, uh, the power practitioner is not like a, a witch. They are just connected to like theology. Um, so they use that to heal you. Um, so I I don't mean to like word this the wrong way, but it sounds like and to some to some when you're reading a lot, it kind of just sounds like they're going, I'm going to get the devil out of you. Let's <laughs> pray to Jesus. And so it's a not faith healer. It's not that. But yes, it kind of is a faith healer. And they actually call themselves faith healers later. So I wonder if that's kind of where it came from. Uh, but anyway, the power practitioner is very common amongst Pennsylvania Germans. And so what's interesting is when I was doing the research, one article said it's the Dunkers, the Mennonites, any like Lutheran and German Reformed church members, they believe in powwow, but the Amish do not. Other articles said the Amish or the plain folk do as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if the connection there is that, you know, a lot of these are old timey, you know, recipes, if you will, to heal you yeah so of course anybody like i've then i've had powwow done to me in some ways i've my grandmother god rest her soul had a lot of kooky but they worked things that would help you don't put butter on burns that's a terrible idea but i had some like folksy old-timey recipe. soy sauce works though yes interestingly enough. it's just weird not butter um so i wonder if like they follow if the amish like then follow like the old-timey kind of like healing yeah, i but- wonder if that it's like my like grandmother had one of like whiskey and lemon. <laughs> That's <and> right. <laughs> I forget, they just called it the drink. It'll get you drunk. It'll heal you and your sore throat because you'll be unconscious. Yeah, anytime <laughs> someone was sick, it was like, yep, yeah, make the drink. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> so Pennsylvania hex magic actually dates back to the beginnings of the colonies. So it's been around since a long time. Okay. So specifically, of course, when the, the German and Dutch immigrants, immigrants came here. Um, they just kind of always firmly helped their beliefs and so their customs they brought back. They never lost their customs or their beliefs, so they just kind of brought it into Pennsylvania and it became part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, so interestingly enough, though, even though there's differences in their, you know, in religions and maybe with the places where they came from, they all believed in folk magic and their intertwining of Christian beliefs, almost like you take that old, like, Anglo-Saxon idea of like the pagans before and then right after the Romans came and like conquered and how they started mixing their pagan beliefs mm-hmm. with the Christian beliefs. It, it's really like when you read about it, it reminds you a lot of that. Okay. But anyway, powwowing is um, on one end of the folk magic scale. Okay. So we got the left side, if you will. Okay. Uh, and that is not to be confused with anything Native American because it says powwow, but again, not powwow. Gotcha. The uh, And that, like, over here, so on this side, you're going to have, like, you know, cures for illnesses, no joke, um, a prayer that you say to stop the bleeding of somebody who is bleeding pretty profusely. Oh. Uh, and Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> protection from evil forces, removal of curses and hexes. On the other side is the hexeri, or... Uh, the hex doctor. So again, unfortunately, um, you have like in modern time people confusing hex doctors with powwow doctors. Very different. But hex array is witchcraft. Okay. And so that's black magic. You know, the reason our 
basement was haunted. <laughs> uh, they, yep. they draw their power from the devil and unholy sources. Um, they're going to carry things to like the powwows uh, doctors do. But generally speaking, the powwow doctor would carry like good luck charms and amulets. Again, they would rely heavily on prayer and mm. the Bible um, to kind of unbreak, to, to break those curses that were happening. But anyway, um, they tended to work against one each one another. Because they kept each other in business, I like to say. Yeah, right. But, of course, common folk are kind of stuck in the middle going, can somebody help me now? Okay, I'm going to come to you. So, anyway, for centuries, folk magic then just prospers here in Pennsylvania into modern day. Because there are still faith healers out there, obviously. So, um, the practice of powwow actually is almost as old as Berks County. Um, in 1819, a German immigrant named Johann George Hoffman, not Hoffman, Hoffman, H-O-H, man. Okay. Um, he wrote a book of incantations called The Long Lost Friend, um, which is interesting because a lot of the rules for powwow say you should not be writing anything down. You're taught it orally. Mm. So, yeah, you can keep your own little recipe books, your family recipes, if you will, but you shouldn't be writing it down. But he did anyway. Tisk tisk, right? Uh, but anyway, so what's interesting. Rebel. Int- yeah, Rebel. Um, so he actually was very well known for drawing and watercoloring. And so for like 20 years, he actually made Tofschins, which is German for baptismal certificates, because especially in the Catholic Church, they're obviously very, very important. So he made his money that way. Um, but on the side, he was a powwow doctor. So, um, then what's interesting is I found this between 1815 and 1820 when he started selling his certificates and of course his powwow stuff by um 1819 his book became like really really well known it was used at home and in the barnyard oh wow and a place in berks county no joke actually had the the preprints and stuff for the for their certificates so his certificates were being preprinted um at like a, an actual like printing press so he could just watercolor it and then focus on using huh. the long lost friend yeah so this became like his bread and butter if you will yeah so it's, I like how it says here, many historians cannot explain why Hoffman wrote his book. If he did practice powwow, it would have been considered a poor source of income, which we already know. Again, that's why he was doing the uh, certificates. Yeah. And then why Hoffman used powwow is not known. Um, it, the, ma- the name might have been used at the time because of the Algonquin past. Um, but in any case, I like the opening to the long lost friend. This is the opening of it. Whoever carries this book with him is safe from all his enemies, visible or invisible. And whoever has this book with him cannot die without the holy corpse of Jesus Christ, nor be drowned in any water, burnt up in any fire, nor can any unjust sentence be passed up upon him. So help me. So you want to carry this book so you're not going to burn, drown, or die? Winning. <laughs> no, it says winning. But anyway, the long lost friend, interestingly, though, does not claim any powers for casting spells. It actually mostly has like prayers in there against evil and like recipes for illnesses. Protection so, things. And... Yeah. So uh, my guess is your mom mom's recipe for her, uh, <laughs> her drink is probably in there. Um, in any case, in the preface, though, he states the Bible verse, which he considers the basis for the practition of powwow. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 50, verse 15. So um, there are other remarks, though, that he makes in there that I just find interesting and some of the remedies. So I actually cut some out from one of my articles just to read it to you. Yeah. 
So this is him writing. So Hoffman says, I say any and every man who knowingly neglects using this book is saving the eye or the, and sorry, in saving the eye or the leg or any other limb of his fellow man is guilty of the loss of such a limb and thus commits sin by which he may forfeit to himself all hope of salvation. If men were not allowed to use sympathetic words, nor the name of the Most High, it certainly would not have been revealed to them, and what is more, the Lord would not help where they are made use of. God can in no manner be forced to intercede where it is not his divine pleasure. Woe unto those who misconstrue these things at the moment of danger, or who follow the advice of any preacher who might teach them not to mind what the Lord says in the 50th Psalm. So if you don't use this when someone needs it, you've sinned. Oh, so yeah, you've been given this gift, so you better use it. You can give this book. Yeah, you better yeah, use this book. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But it's like you deserve to lose the limb just like they're losing the limb. So mm-hmm. it's like that's very scare tactic. It doesn't sound yeah. very religious to me, but okay. Well, I mean, the same kind of thing like, you know, God gives Moses the 10 commandments like now if you don't follow that, like I just gave you these. <laughs> What's funny is today was Good Shepherd Sunday, so Father Andrew had a beautiful homily about, you know, how we should follow Jesus because he's the Good Shepherd, and we use that um, metaphor because a shepherd would, like, lay in front of the door to keep the door locked so animals could not get in herd a sheep at night, but also, you know, the gate itself, too. You go into Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was so loving and so kind, and then you're like, if you don't use this book, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, my, okay, very different. Very Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, very Old Testament, uh, which makes sense, of course. So these are um, some of the prayers that you can say. This is a good remedy for those who cannot keep their water. I'm not sure if that means you are you can't hold it or if you are vomiting up water. So can't yeah, hold like their water. incontinent or um, yeah. But, it, but based on what it says here, I'm going to assume it means you you uh, are incontinent because it says burn a hog's bladder to powder and take it inwardly. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's going to help your incontinence. Gross. Um, a good remedy to stop bleeding. So on the day that someone has been injured severely, you are going to repeat these words three times. Blood thou must stop until the Virgin Mary bring forth another son. Oh. If you say that three times, the bleeding will stop. Interesting. But notice that they call upon the Virgin Mary to have another son because she's never going to, of course. She's going yeah. to heaven. But again, Virgin Mary. So you get that Catholic side yeah. in there. Uh, to extinguish fire without water. There are words you're supposed to write on a plate, which I'm not going to read because I don't want to promote anything. But if you write the words on each side of the plate and then throw it into the fire, it will extinguish the fire. Hmm. <laughs> right? Interesting. I know. I don't know what to think. Yeah, well, like, uh, we listened to a, a horror podcast and, like, at least one of them is an active Satanist, right? Yeah. And This uh, isn't Satanism, though. No, but I'm saying, like... Um, they talk about all the time how Catholicism is the like the flip side of the coin to you know like magic you mm-hmm. know and so it's interesting that people would be using prayers in this ritualistic you know but kind it's of, to heal kind of too it, yeah yeah so, yeah like uh, you know they're using using prayers and re- you know like religion when you like, think about it like if we go back you know remember when i my nose was bleeding a lot and we thought maybe it was like something cancerous end up being um not which is good yeah. but i asked father maori to uh bless me because i was very concerned yeah. with the constant bleeding um and so he actually you know, the prayer that they use you call upon a saint for mm-hmm. it 
the well house is experiencing some technical difficulties as the lights flash. Ooh. I'm going to keep this in. His spoopy. Yeah, just so everyone knows, it's been <laughs> raining nonstop for 48 hours now. So <laughs> A veritable flood here in rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, people are losing power all over. And yeah, trees are falling down from because the ground is so soggy. The trees, the roots are just ripping up. So yeah. the roads are knocked down. We've had mudslides. Yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. April showers. <laughs> Bring flood watches. All right. So anyway, back to powwow doctors. They must be a person of common sense, obviously, and are respected and loved by all. So not everybody can be a powwow doctor. Okay. Now, they're called powwow faith healers nowadays. They do not practice professionally, but they usually have another occupation because, again, does not put bread on the table. Yeah. They must be at least 30 years old and believe in the Holy Bible. So you and I could be powwow faith healers. Yes. I don't want to. Oh. Because, well, the next part is the powwow healer must have a strong constitution. The reason for that is because we take the sickness from the patient into ourselves. Mm. Yes. So you can be weakened by the sickness. Mm. Yes. And there are only certain ways that somebody can be ordained as a practitioner of powwow. I'm sensing Green Mile vibes right now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so the original way to learn powwow is what they would call as crossways because it's not written down. You're not supposed to write this down. So you are yeah. taught orally. Now, a man is supposed to teach a woman or vice versa. A woman should not teach a woman and a man should not teach a man. Interesting. Right? And so the explanations kind of like are all over the place. One explanation is the idea of keeping it fair, male and female. Mm -hmm. Another was you need Adam and Eve in the Bible, of course, to create life. So that idea. Um, But there are ways around doing this. Okay? So um, because I should say here, if you break the rule of going from man to female or female to man, um, those who break the rule – will lose their powers and be as weak as any other mortal. So how do you get around it? If a man is sitting at his desk and he is talking to his desk about how powwow works, and if, say, another man is in the room sitting in a chair taking notes, he is not teaching the man. He's teaching the desk. The man is listening. <laughs> I'm not kidding. See, this, like <laughs> any part of me that thought, hmm, I wonder if this is real, like out the window <laughs> immediately. <laughs> A female could, say, be talking to a piano, teaching the piano all about powwow. And if another female is in there embroidering and happens to hear this, then it's fine. Joke's on you, Mother Nature. (laughs) I'm I'm... talking to the wall. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's actually what it says. Excuse me, I'm having a conversation with the chair. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Desky, the only one who cares about me. Now, I actually, I do put a lot of stock in belief in healing you, though. Like, to, to if you are a powwow doctor out there, like, I just, I do believe in, like, faith healing in some ways. Like, because I believe there's a power positivity, you know. Yeah, and, but that only goes so far. I, but there are stories of miracles happening where people are miraculously cured of cancer. And there's no dis- explanation of how it happened. Mi- ha- well, I would argue it's a miracle. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's because not, of your It's faith. not some guy who talked to a chair. Okay, well, yes. Anyways. So I think there is a power in prayer. I do. Yeah. I do personally believe that, but I'm not going to teach a desk how to do powwow. (laughs) 
But anyway, uh, one big thing, though, is practitioners, is they, they cannot accept payment. Like, they can't say, this is going to cost you $5. Mm-hmm. You have to give it of your own like free will. Like a donation. Bill. Yeah, it's only a donation. Makes sense. Yep. So that's why you need to have another job, if possible. Yeah. Um, so what throws me off here, and this is where I would like to say, if you are feeling sick, please go to a doctor. Yes. Don't be like Steve Jobs. Yes. Um, what I was, and I'm quoting this from one of the articles that I have already mentioned on my previous page. When a patient is too sick, the powwow practitioner can come to the house. Um, if the person is under treatment of a medical doctor, they will try not to let the doctor know about the powwow healer. Some faith healers are known for certain cures and are called in for specific problems. Faith in the healer is the reason why people are cured by them. You're not supposed to tell your doctor that you're seeing a faith healer, which yeah. bothers me. The healer told they must have faith in the power practitioner or they will not be healed. A prayer-like supplication with message is the rule in most healings. Various people are treated in special ways by the faith healer. And so uh, to continue on, like it does say here, there are powwow doctors who claim that faith alone is necessary, while others claim the words alone will heal the patient. Some patients are not made well after, who are not made well after one attempt may um, have six or more times the, the, the patient, uh, sorry, the doctor coming before the cure happens. If a cure does not happen after a certain amount of time, the powwow practitioner will stop treatment because the patient apparently lacks faith. And so, again, you're really sick. Go to a doctor. Please. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, like if you have cancer, go to a doctor. It's good to put your your trust in God and to, and to pray as well, but God made doctors for a reason. Yeah, I it's guess. the two boats and a helicopter joke all over again. Oh, really? Tell that one. Okay. So, um, there is a massive flood, and a woman is uh, sitting on the roof of her house, and boat comes up to her and it's you know some rescue it's a rescue team and they're like Mm -hmm. hey lady like come on like get let's get out of here and she's like no god will save me i'm just gonna stay right here and uh a couple hours later like water's like up at the roof you know like she can touch it with her feet and so they come back on another boat and there's like okay like it's time to go now Are are you ready no no god's god's gonna save me i got this and then Next, she's at, like, the very top of her roof, and a helicopter lowers down with a ladder, and they say, lady, it's time to go now. And she goes, no, no, God's gonna save me, don't worry. And then she dies. And then she goes to heaven, and St. Peter's there, and he's like, well, uh, yeah, you're you're here, you died, um, uh, what do you have to say to yourself? And <laughs> What do you have to say for and yourself? And <laughs> she's like, well, where where was God? And... Where, where was Jesus for this? I waited for him to come save me. And then Jesus shows up. And he's like, what are you talking about? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same kind of thing. Like, there is science out there. There are doctors out there. Yeah. Like, please go to them. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I I like all natural stuff as well. If I can help it, I won't, like, go to a doctor because I don't like pills and I don't like needles. But there's time and place. Like, when Alex was Absolutely. super sick, like, obviously, yeah. we had to take him to the hospital. Yep. So, um, if the healer has been successful, though, he will get an answer or a specific feeling in his body. So, they might feel a sudden chill going up their spine or whatever. And they know their power has worked and the person is healed. Mm-hmm. Now, um, at the time, like... Like 1880s into the 1920s, like when we're going to talk about the Hex House murder. In that time period, no joke, it says here that nearly every town had at least one power practitioner who was called upon daily. Hmm. 
in that time period. Yeah. So they were very, very well known. They were used all the time. Um, but they still exist to like today. Yeah. They're not gone. Well, obviously, you still hear about like people going for homeopathic remedies and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's similar. It's not the same thing, but it's, you know, same kind of ideas. Yeah. And well, it, it's interesting, too, because uh, you don't knock until you try it. Maybe it's going to be helpful for you. Um, but we ha- we ha- hear all these crazy faith healers nowadays who like use snakes and whatnot. Powell doctors don't do that. Yeah. You know, they, they go, they, if they have a book, they use their book, but usually it's just, well, my grandmother was a powwow faith healer. She taught me how to do this and this is what we're going to use. So, it, you know, that old timey recipe, if it is the drink that mama <laughs> makes or some of the stuff that my grandmother did when I was really young, some of it really does work. You know, that old timey stuff, you know, is real. Oh yeah. Of course. Your mom, God bless her, God rest her soul too. She told me that when she was young, your mom used to take swabs, of like handfuls of um, Vicks Vapor, and she'd put it down their throats when they had a sore yeah. throat. And she's like, yeah, you felt better, but you were coughing up, you know, this like disgusting, like, you know, Slime. gel out of your throat. And she's like, I remember she used to just swab the inside of our mouths with it. Uh. And I, that's when I was saying, well, because I think it was Eli was sick. And, you know, nowadays they say if you're going to use the baby's Vicks, it needs to go on their clothes or on the heels of their feet. Yeah, not even on their skin, yeah. Because it can hurt their livers. And she's like, what? Back in my day. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Not one of those stories. (laughs) I don't want to hear one of these stories. Well, yeah, even like, you know, quote unquote homeopathic remedies like willow bark, you know, when they use that. Yeah. They just were using aspirin and didn't know it. Which is cool, yeah. Yeah. So. Willow bark tea. There's definitely some merit to some of those remedies yep. it's just which is why they would be confused with witches because you know you're like oh what are you mixing up there and you're a little mortar mm-hmm. and pestle calm down it's oregano making pizza <laughs> you know <laughs> um so why am i discussing that because next part okay so obviously we are going to mo- be moving into you know hex doctors and specifically a hex house murder of one nelson raymeyer um so powwowers and hex doctors um they fought against each other you know, mm-hmm. you have these hex doctors slash witches who are putting curses on people and hexes on people. And you go to the powwow doctor to get that hex removed. Gotcha. Okay. So it says here, powwowers and hex doctors often worked against one another with the common person caught in the middle. And that is the setting that the folk magic flourished for more than the two centuries in Pennsylvania. Witches targeted their victims in many ways. Since Hexarea were based around a farming society, many of the witches' attacks were directed at animals and crops, not unlike the witch, as you mentioned. They were often blamed when cows did not produce milk. No, not that your milk, your cow is not getting enough water or he st- she's stressed, yeah, no. you know. Um, no, just witches. <laughs> when seemingly healthy animals mysteriously died or when crops failed, you know, not that disease happens or it's a drought no 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 witches well i'm sure that like they never have even imagined plants could get diseases and stuff oh that's true back in those days blights yeah when witches went after humans they used a variety of torments they were commonly suspected of causing illnesses especially conditions that lingered and caused a person to waste away over time you know not a malnutrition issue (laughs) no 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 Anyway, a witch could use spells that launched invisible attacks, causing seizures or fits, the sensation of being pricked or stabbed, or the feeling of being choked or strangled. Now that I have a post-pregnancy carpal tunnel, I get tinglings and stabbings in my hands and arms all the time. 
I should have that surgery done, but I'm lazy. Or is it a witch? It, but yeah, imagine like, you're like, oh, I'm hexed <laughs> again. So you like think like now we know like science tells us what it is, but witches could also cause a run of bad luck for any individual that they attacked. The witch could even appear in the form of an animal like a black cat. Whoa. Like Binks upstairs. We have a witch. So that they could move out undetected and harass their victims. Needless to say, just about any type of misfortune was blamed on a witch. So that's when you go into your powwow doctor. Yep. So here I think we should take a pause and do our Kyle's creepy thought. And we'll finish up our part one of the Hex House. All righty. I thought it would be a good idea if we turned I think, I think Shannon. Some, the, the girl I thought it would be, 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 be a good idea if we. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. Good idea. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. Good idea. Shannon, the the girl from Ringu. This is bad. This is really bad. It's a Ouija. I'll never. I I will never not smile when I hear that. All right. What does he have to say? So he says, "You." He gave us a story this week, right? It's a lengthy one. Yeah. All right. We're reading it. Let's go. I was going to put this into, like, Windows Narrator. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I don't think you'd appreciate it, but we would. <laughs> you were talking about the impulse to step off of the bridge in Gettysburg. I've experienced that, but to a greater degree. I was in high school on a class trip to Niagara Falls. There was a girl that I really liked. I was completely hung up on her, but she wasn't into me. I spent the en entire day trying to engage with her, and it was nothing but cold shoulders, which was odd because we had been pretty friendly for quite a while coming up through school. I got depressed. Super depressed. Strangely depressed. I was sobbing. Oh, now I have experience with depression, but this in retrospect felt different. I felt alone, completely alone, like mm -hmm. I had no friends, no family, no purpose, nothing. I'm standing there at a wrought iron railing next to the edge of a cliff, and I start thinking over and over, it would be so easy. I could be be over this before anyone would know. Just one step into space, just stepping into nothing. It would be easy. Just wait for a moment when everyone's too far away. It'd be so easy. The thoughts were almost soothing, hypnotic. As I'm really considering taking that step, I notice a seagull. Just one seagull hovering up on the updrafts right in front of my field of view hanging there as if it were waiting for me to see it. As I watch it, it descends towards the falls, toward a cloud of mist. I'm watching, and I s would swear that the mist parted for the seagull. The seagull glides into the space where the mist parted. The mist closes around it, and the gull disappears. That happens, and the second it does, in my mind I hear the rocks, the trees, the water, everything lets out this scream. It was a scream of anguish, a scream of sorrow. And a clear voice that was not my own speaks in my mind and, and says, Why? Why? Why do this when, you, when I've given you all this to live for? All this out of my love for you. It cries out for you. Please stay. Just stay. And it was like a spell broke in my mind and more tears came, but they were because I couldn't believe what I was considering or what I had just experienced. Later, I found out that some people describe there being a spirit to the falls, one that urges people to jump, even those who otherwise would not. Is it possible that it tried to urge me that day? Possibly. Luckily, there was another more powerful being with me. While filming the Niagara Falls scene for Superman 2, Margot Kidder told an extra, I can see why people jump. There's a draw to the water. I feel like it's pulling me. That's really scary. Yeah. Well, even like today with the flooding and we were driving over a bridge and I looked down at like the rushing waters. I'm like, 
Like, I could just imagine, you know, I'm like, what it would feel like to just be pulled by that, because, like, it's a strong current, you know? I was like, ooh, man. People who talk about this scare me, because I understand, like, the, like, you know, you're standing there, like, look at the uh, Grand Canyon. I thought, wow, you could easily fall down and get hurt. But my mind was saying, let's jump, you know? No, it was yeah. more like, I can't go to the edge of this, because that yeah. is scary. Like, even yeah. with all the, the, the rails they have up, I was like, no, 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 I'm good right mm-hmm. here. I'm mm-hmm. right where it's safe. So I don't, I mean, apart from with my bout of depression, I've never really had that, like, uncanny moment where I'm just like, ah, yes, I could totally die right now. What would happen, you know? Mm. But Kyle got very deep with that. I'm glad he didn't jump. Yeah, right. Jeez. So now I have a follow-up question for him. Did the girl and he start talking afterward? I wonder wonder if there's something with that, too. Oh, and now that he brought that up, I looked up the term for it because I said it was looking into the void. It's called the call of the void. That's the the terminology for that intrusive thought. Yeah, that intrusive thought that, like, will just invade your your mind when you see something like that. (laughs) Again, like, for me, it's more like, no, 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 no. I think it's because I have to be in control of everything so i think like i can't i can't imagine dying because i'm controlling if i stand right here before this railing i'm fine no one's gonna hurt me okay i'm not gonna hurt myself (laughs) everything's fine (laughs) but i don't i just i don't i've never had that and i've been to places like niagara falls you know we've been on top of all the scary towers in gettysburg i've been terrifying towers the terrifying towers next time we go i'm going back up them so grand canyon like that to me it didn't even look real it looked so fake i know right there was like it was it looked like a painting it was incredible but and like i had a very good fear (laughs) of it because it is deep and then if i fell down no one was gonna get me i was gonna go to hundreds like whatever is it thousands of feet down whatever it is it was huge it's huge yeah um but i've never had that intrusive thought like let's go except for one with my bad of depression when I, but that's when I like actively was thinking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, oh man. But thank you, Kyle. So again, it's very common from what you said, like that intrusive thought. What's it yeah. called again? Call of the Void. Call of, I like Call of Cthulhu more. I'm just going to say. Call it's a good Cthulhu. story. Thank you, Kyle, for your creepy <laughs> thought. <laughs> Anywho. So um, I want to go back now to all the hex stuff. So why is this important? Because we're going to be talking about the Hex House murder. Because Hex Hollow is called that because of Nelson Raymeyer who lived there. And um, his lone sad grave there because of a murder that happened in his house. Him. Spoiler alert. So I want to get back into Hex Doctors to kind of help us understand why people believed it. Okay. So it says here... um, when you get your book, for example, like when you when you go to the Bible, when you get like the the long lost friend, um, you have this book to save you. Like folk killers had always invoked and used the Bible and their magic, but they started supplementing their ideas with published books from powers mm-hmm. like Hoffman. Okay. So the books um, consisted usually of remedies and charms to cure common illnesses, fevers, burns, toothaches, and other ailments. Um, it also contained recipes for beer and molasses. Nice. Yeah, two for one. So not only are you getting like these healing elements, you're also getting some good beer because I'm guessing Germans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, beer is good. It can help soothe your aches and pains after a long day of work, you know, because it relaxes your muscles. So, yeah, so beer, beer and wine is what got us through the Black uh, black Death. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, it's just like it's interesting. That, yeah. And molasses is a great um, cooking utensil, really, for like lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, they even had charms for catching fish. So, if you were having trouble catching fish, you want to feed mm-hmm. your family, here's a charm for it. Okay. But anyway, most of these charms are meant to provide protection from physical harm, from weapons, fire witches, thieves. Um, it also provided instructions on how to keep your animals alive, <laughs> um, how to heal them, how to keep them in a certain location, even cures for rabid animals, which is impossible. Yeah. So please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay away from those. <laughs> Well, you say that, but in next episode, there's a story about a, a powwow practitioner who is said to have healed a rabid animal, and because of that, he got a pretty big following. Hmm. It's a little little snippet there to entice you for next week. Um, anyway, the long lost friend became a primary reference for pretty much anyone attempting to understand and to utilize powwow. Mm-hmm. It actually gained a place of honor in people's houses and on their shelves. So that book, the long lost friend is going to be a primary part of our next story okay. because that book is said to give you power. So what happens if you lose that book? Hmm. Your power goes away. But you have all the knowledge. But if you have a book, are you memorizing it? Uh, no. Interesting. Yes. So Very again, hocus pocus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyway. So though um, hex doctors, so the opposite side, would acquire these books um, mm-hmm. to help their reputations, is said that merely owning the volume, if you were a hex doctor, was dangerous. And if you actually read it, it could be fatal because you're a hex doctor. You're not a powwower. Okay. Yes, because there's biblical scriptures in there. Interesting. Right? Yeah, so you can hurt yourself. So I wonder... If that creepy shop at the Renaissance Fair, like the bo- the unmarked books that are locked away, if that's what those are. Probably. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to look at them. Don't want to touch them. But. I know, right? <laughs> I don't even like going to that shop. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's too real. Yeah, it's too real. It's weird. Um, but anyway, also, if they start reading it, it could cause readers to become obsessed and they could do nothing but think about it and read it. And so to break the obsession, should it occur would to be reading it backwards and reverse, like literally from the back pa- last page backwards. Huh. And that would break the obsession on that person. <laughs> so This book doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I hate it. I'm never going to read it again. Exactly. <laughs> so it just it's interesting that these are like things that are said between hex doctors versus powwow practitioners. So weird. No, I agree. So while it is hard for you and me, the modern person, to understand this yeah. today, you got to put yourself... 100 years ago. It feels weird to say that. Less than 100 years ago, actually. 1928 for the Ray Meyer Hex murder. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. That book is the most crucial point of the murder itself. The people involved truly believed in all of this magic. They believed that what he was doing was real. Mm -hmm. And they believed in hexes and that it could ruin lives. So you have to understand that going in yep. okay so they believed they could that they could they had to do something to stop yeah. it because obviously ray meyer is a terrible person he wasn't he was a wonderful person i mean 1928 that's pre-gold rush you know we're still exploring the Isn't west it crazy to put it in that context too yeah Isn't that crazy yeah but fun fact powwowers were still being used well into the 50s 
um, before like mm. people realized how much hexing, uh, like hex doctors and powwow practitioners were killing people. And so it became again a national like that. That's for next episode. But you'll see more about that in the next episode okay. and like how um, people started like moving away from hex doctors and power practitioners because it was causing a lot of real turmoil, a lot of issues. But anyway, the hex murder itself. Okay. It is a very strange killing of Nelson Raymeyer. Um, it captivated everybody in our region because of what happened before, during, and after the actual event. All right. There's a lot to it, yeah. Now, the story is going to involve a young powwower named John Blymeyer. He is the one who is said to have healed a rabbit dog. Okay. So John believes in this, well, obviously. Yeah. He was born in 1895, so turn of the century. Um, he learned the art of this German folk magic at a young age from his family, because his family was a bunch of powwowers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, but the problem is like, he couldn't keep that as a steady job. So he had to keep working at a cigar factory. Um, but in any case, so he has, that as his background and he knows about Nelson Raymeyer because again, at this time period, every town had their own practitioner. Mm-hmm. So, and Nelson was very well respected, very well respected. Well, when you start visiting witch doctors, or sorry, hex doctors, because there's a curse. You think there's a curse on you because you believe in powwow magic. Yeah. And that person says, Oh, it's Nelson. What mm. are you gonna what do you think is gonna happen? A riot? An attack? Or, you know, you go and find um two young men who need money and you say, Let's go take care of this ourselves. Uh. Yes. So we're going to end it there because that sets the stage for the Hex House Part 2, which is all about John Blymeyer, Nelson Raymeyer, their backstories, why John thought he was hexed, a brief jaunt to state a Harrisburg State Hospital. Oh, fun fact. Hey. Yeah. So we're going to pull that I back know that in. place. We know that place. Yeah. Um, so a brief stay there for our darling John. Hmm. So if he's staying there. What can we infer about our John PJ? He's not doing too well. He's not doing very <laughs> well. Uh, but that's why he obviously believes in this stuff and he believes that he is hexed. Yeah. So, yeah, he should have gone to real doctors. Yes. Not Harrisburg State. All, no matter what story they paint online. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so that is what we're going to see, a brief jaunt at state uh, Harrisburg State and then back into the community and then a murder. And then after that, more murders and more death and more sadness and more hexing. Oh, my. Oh, my. (laughs) Thank you, George Takei. (laughs) So that's all I have for you this evening. Any questions? I mean, nothing that's not going to be answered next week, so. Is your interest peaked? I am. Are you going to do some of your own research now because you're Probably. interested? I figured. <laughs> well, I have all of this research here. I see it. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm ready to go. I'm super excited. And just think, I have even more. Ooh, should I do a little shout out here? Look at this, three more. Oh I, I'm gosh. worried that we're not going to, it might be a part three-parter, but no, I'll, I'll get it down to two. I'll get it down to two. Um, I've already talked to Liminal Unlimited, and they are interested in doing a crossover episode here with us Woo-hoo. about the Bridgewater Triangle because I have a whole bunch of research on that. It's not Pennsylvania, but you know me, I'm from New England, so I've always found it very interesting. And I also have Helltown out in Ohio. So I got other stuff on the docket to get yeah. us through May. But they want to come and they want to um, do a crossover cool. event. And listeners, if you haven't listened to it yet, um, 
listen to the liminal unlimited skinwalker ranch episodes because we are in there we hijack yeah we hijack the pod we do all the research for them i think we derailed it at one point too (laughs) always (laughs) always (laughs) so that was so much fun it was it was crazy um so looking forward to doing more of that but starting in june i already talked to laura and ray we're gonna do a deep dive into Eastern State Penitentiary, and we're gonna do a day trip there too. Can't wait! I know it's so exciting. I hope we can record on location. I really want to. We'll just bring like a little reader and be like, "We are here in Eastern State Penitentiary." Do you hear that? That's PJ breathing. <sighs> stairs. <laughs> there aren't any stairs. That's the whole. There are. The... Oh, There's a second story that they added on. We don't go up there though. You can. We can't, I've never gone up there. I know, because our tour was stupid. Well, see, like, there's one tour that takes you upstairs and, like, to the those wings and stuff. Oh. And there's another one that takes you to Death Row, and we did the Death Row one. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought, okay, interesting. Because there are some people who are like, they're like, there's a Death Row there. and the, Oh, like, they did the other yeah, one. And, okay. and they had no idea that there was, like, a Death Row area. <laughs> that place had some you vibes. F- that, yeah, I didn't want to be in there. I didn't like that at all. Yeah. That's the place you can pull out your recorder and see if you get any yeah, voices. But yeah, our setup is battery operated, so or it has the option to be battery operated. So but they know. even know. That's <laughs> <laughs> their. Problem, I have my it? tote bag full of <laughs> microphones and headphones. And there's a metal like a uh, metal detector. Oh, what you got there? <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening tonight. What look forward to next week for the Hex House Murder Part Two, where we dis- discuss the end of Mr. Ray Meyer and then, well, the eventual end of Mr. Bly Meyer, too. Yeah. All right. So have a lovely evening. Be safe. Be happy. Be healthy. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.